sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Now it's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. Um, I've been joined by Jonathan Davis, uh, editor of the Investment Trust Handbook. And we're going to talk about this annual handbook, uh, Jonathan, which uh, I mean, it's been coming out for many years now, but the end of the year always sees publication of the new one. Uh, it's the Investment Trust Handbook for 2022. But I guess we ought to start really, although many investors, of course, will be familiar with investment trusts, which are around a lot longer than many of us. Um, but why investment trusts? What's so special about them? And how do they compare to other forms of collective investment or indeed passive investing? Well, thank you, Simon. Yes, it's a very good question. Uh, investment trusts, I like to call them the connoisseur's choice. That's a rather kind of elitist way of describing them, I guess. It is a way, though, of expressing the fact that uh, investment trusts are uh, different from other kinds of funds you can buy, both passive funds, index funds, and uh, uh, open what we call open-ended funds, unit trusts, and so on. And they're different because they essentially they, have, they are limited companies. They're quoted on the stock market. You can buy and sell the shares uh, that way. And they have a board of directors, an independent board of directors. That's one difference from uh, open-ended funds. Uh, and uh, they also, um, uh, they can employ sort of same kind of fund managers and everything else that uh, they have a slightly better performance record over time. And that, of course, is one of the reasons why people like myself like them. Uh, they are, and you have, you get more accountability uh, of the manager, uh, which you don't always get in open-ended funds and so on. They've been around a long time, as you said. The first one started in the 19th century. Uh, there aren't many of those left. About 5% of the uh, number of investment trusts these days are actually date from that period. But uh, uh, there's new ones coming along all the time. Uh, one of the first basic principles that people try and drill, drill into any investor getting involved for the first time is the importance of diversification. I guess one of the advantages of investment trusts is that you can diversify a portfolio in one um, quoted vehicle, either within the UK or indeed around the world. But one of the things that puzzles me, and I know that you're going to tell me the Investment Trust Handbook is the answer to this question, but there are now so many investment trusts, as indeed there are open-ended funds, that it's very hard for the investor to know how to choose amongst them. I mean, there are probably as many, almost as many investment trusts as there are quoted equities on the market, aren't there? Well, it's not actually true in the case of investment. Oh, okay. it, it is true of funds generally. There are more funds open-ended funds out there than there are companies in the, in the UK market. You're absolutely right about that. And you might well ask why that is the case. Um, but investor trusts are slightly different. There aren't that many. There are a fewer number. There's, uh, I think, barely, uh, you know, about 10% of the number of open-ended funds. Uh, and one reason for that is that, uh, you know, whereas with open-ended funds, if they don't perform very well or, you know, they, they, they don't just die, they aren't killed off on the whole, they tend to be, they just either just fade away and are left to sort of potter along without much anybody doing anything about them, or they're absorbed into another fund and then they try and resell them that way if you're the fund management company. But investment trusts have this uh, history of, you know, the boards actually do take action. And if the trust isn't performing, they, uh, they take action. They either fire the fund manager and get a new one in, uh, which never happens in the open-ended world, uh, or they... Um, uh, change the mandate to do something different, uh, or they liquidate it. And uh, we do see uh, a regular supply of new trusts coming in and old trusts going out. Uh, but uh, there are only a few hundred. There aren't that many uh, compared to the much, much wider world of uh, passive funds and uh, open-ended funds. Let's just pause briefly for a breather. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
This is Simon Rose. I'm talking to Jonathan Davis, editor of the Investment Trust Handbook, about Investment Trust and indeed about the handbook itself. Um, so we, not as many uh, investment trusts then clearly as open-ended funds by some uh, long way. Um, how do people then try and choose which investment trust they should should go for, assuming they know what their, what financial profile that they actually want? Indeed. Well, uh, that's, a, again, another very good question. I expect a good question from you, Simon. And uh, oops, uh, sorry, is that going to be okay? Um, yes, don't worry. Devi- <laughs> believe me, in this world, devices go off during doing um, interview calls so often. We're well used to it. Yeah, okay. Well, that was just because I'm sitting in my shed. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, sorry. So <laughs> how, do, how do people go about finding out? Right, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, one of the things that has to be said about investment trusts, and the reason why we call them the connoisseur's choice, is that they are slightly more complicated and slightly more sophisticated vehicles, if you like, because unlike an open-ended fund where, you know, you pay your money and you get that amount of that uh, amount of the cake, if you like, uh, for what you've paid, with investment trusts, there is this problem, a thing called the discount, where shares can actually trade below the net asset value or they can trade above them when they're described as having a premium. That makes them slightly more complicated to start with. So you really need to do some homework before you start. And uh, obviously, the Investor Trust Handbook is one way you can do it. We do have some sort of how-to uh, articles in there. And uh, you have to understand the concept of the discount and the, and the premium before you start. Uh, that's absolutely essential. But there are some very good books out there, primers on investment trusts uh, you can buy. Um, and then once you're actually you know, taking the decision to, to plunge in, um, again, there's uh, quite a lot of coverage these days in the uh, specialist magazines and uh, uh, indeed sometimes on chair radio. And uh, there is uh, uh, and there's quite a lot of research you can get access to now. There's a number of providers who do uh, research on investment trusts, uh, I could, such as Quoted Data or Kepler Intelligence. Uh, and they are kind of funded by the companies, but they, uh, they do provide basic information. Or you can come to my site, Moneymakers, and you can hear what I've got to say about them. But uh, it does require a bit of homework, but uh, there is research into these uh, investment trusts. And uh, if, you, um, uh, if, you, if you do your homework, you will, uh, you will find the rewards. How important do you think it is for people to, to, to know who is managing the, the money? I mean, we, we know there are some investors uh, managing funds who are so impressive that private investors will follow them, sometimes all to the good. Sometimes, of course, that can turn a little or even a great deal sour. Uh, we know that very well. Yeah, We have the, the example of Neil Woodford not so, yeah. not so long ago. It was a very good example of that. Um, you're, absolutely, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, how do we get to know the fund managers? Well, one of the good things about, one of the things I should mention about investment trusts is in the last 10 years, the last decade since the global financial crisis, we've seen a lot more of what we call alternative asset investment trusts coming to the market. And these are things that invest in specialist property, renewable energy, infrastructure, music royalties, all sorts of things that you can't easily do yes. in an open-ended fund by the nature of the, of, of the fund structure. So you get more opportunities to do something different in the investment trust. Uh, world. And one of the good things that's come from that is you get different kinds of specialist fund manager coming in who are very much uh, into communication. They produce much better presentations. Their annual reports on the whole are much more informative. Uh, and they're very au fait with, uh, you know, the latest uh, technology video and so on. So there's actually a huge amount you can find out from the websites of the best investment trusts because they, they put it all out there. And unlike open-ended funds, you know, as a company, they have to publish a, an audited annual report every year. A lot of information in there. They produce interim reports as well. And you'll often find quite detailed presentations about what they do and so on on their websites or on some of these other sites I've mentioned. Uh, and they're a very good starting point, much better than you get for uh, the average uh, 
quoted company that is, you know, that is just doing a, a single line of business. I mean, for private investors, um, entrusting money to anybody else, one of the more important things to consider always is 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 costs. Um, I mean, clearly, if a great deal of money has been taken every year, that's going to harm your eventual outcome. So do investment trusts have a standardised cost? No, they don't. No, it varies a lot from one to the other. Uh, it is set by the board and they review that with the manager. And there's a little bit of, you know, argy-bargy bargaining going on there about that. Uh, and they used to be a lot cheaper than, on average, than the open-ended fund. But of course, in recent years, because of the passive uh, uh, revolution, if you like, with all these index funds coming along, charging you, you know, 0.05 of a percent for a fee, that's put a lot of downward pressure on investment trust fees. And they have been coming down, which is a good thing, because as you say, um, it's still a hugely profitable business fund management. If you get if you get a very good trust that picks up lots of money, you're going to make a lot of money yourself. Uh, but one of the other things you can do uh, with investment trusts, which you can't do with open-ended funds, is find out how much money the managers have actually got invested in the trust. Or at least in most cases, you can. The directors have to publish how many shares they have in the in the trust. And uh, quite often, the fund managers will do likewise. So you can actually see how much skin, they, skin in the game, if you like, that they've got. And in some cases, some of the better trusts, it's a, a very substantial amount. You know, ten, sometimes some of them have 10 million or so invested. So you can be pretty confident they're going to be... Uh, they're going to be trying quite hard anyway. Uh, yes, uh, I guess that's uh, that's true because w- m- many people will actually read up about whether directors are quoted um, businesses are buying shares or selling shares. It's often considered to be a very useful indication. So presumably you reckon then with a, a manager of a fund who's got lots of skin in the game, he's going to be looking after your money rather more carefully because his own future depends on it as well. That's absolutely right. That's one of the factors that uh, you can look at. And in the handbook, for example, we have a, a table that actually shows, you know, which uh, managers have got the biggest stakes in their trust. Obviously, it depends how big the trust is, what kind of percentage the uh, the managers have. Um, sometimes they can have they can have too much. I mean, that's uh, we've had a couple of cases in the last uh, year or so when we've uh, the managers of the trust being kind of wealthy already. Uh, have a kind of blocking stake in the in the company, and that can actually work against the interests of the rest mm-hmm. of the investors. But on the whole, no, it's a very good thing, and to be able to see it uh, and uh, and uh, you know put it down as a, a plus or minus is a very important thing. Uh, you talked about some of the new, rather interesting sort of fields: music royalties, renewable energy, all that sort of thing. But then at the beginning, you did say you know, investment trusts go back some considerable way. I mean, we've got um, evidence, haven't we, that some of the longer standing investment trusts have, have raised their um, dividends almost every single year since they started. I, I mean, I think this is terribly important because one of the things that so few investors seem to consider, particularly if they're terribly interested in high tech growth stocks, is the idea that if you just simply buy and hold things and they do keep increasing dividends, that you will find you're on a massive yield compared to your original investment. But also, of course, that ultimately has an effect on the price of the investment itself. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, dividends are absolutely important. And, uh, you know, the ability to earn dividends, first of all, or to earn enough in order to pay a dividend is very important. Mm. Uh, And I could make two comments about that as far as investment trusts are concerned. Number one is that uh, many of these newer types of investment trusts that have grown up in the Mm. last 10 years or come to market in the last 10 years, their real attraction is that they mainly, the yield is the most important thing about them. So in some of these renewable energy trusts, you're not going to make a huge capital gain on them, but uh, you will be getting a yield of you know, typically between 5 and 7% on many of these new alternative asset trusts with relatively low risk uh, in many cases uh, because they are investing in things where they have, you know, secure long-time inf- uh, long-term inflation-linked um, uh, income, you know, that kind of thing. So they're very much more reliable income pairs. So they've been very, very popular. 
And the other thing you could say about investment trusts, again, unlike our open-ended funds, is that they have the ability on occasions, like last year when we had the pandemic, to pay dividends, even though they haven't actually earned that much in that year. They can they can call on what we call their revenue reserves mm. or capital reserves, rainy day money, if you like. The directors can put aside some money every year, uh, whereas open-ended funds have to pay out all their income as uh, effectively as, as dividend. And so you get this smooth uh, dividend flow from a number of these investment trusts. And these are this is what uh, the AIC, the industry body, calls the, the dividend heroes. These are the companies that mm. have raised their dividend every year for, in some, I mean, the longest one is uh, City of London, which has been doing it for more than 50 years. So that's, uh, that's quite a record through, you know, all, all, whatever's happened in the world. Yes, impressive, impressive. So, um, I mean, many... People listening to this will obviously already be familiar with investment trust. But if somebody is completely new to it, then obviously you'd recommend the investment trust handbook um, before they dip their toe into the water. But how? What is the best way of of getting to grips with investment trust if it is a world that is slightly alien to people? Well, I'm sorry to say you just have to do your homework. There's no easy answer to that. Uh, you have to do your homework. Uh, you either got to buy one or two of these books that uh, that write about investment trusts, or you have to, uh, you know. Um, listen to programs like I do. I do a podcast every week uh, like you do uh, about investment trusts and gradually work your way into it. And there, look at some research, but also join one or two of these groups. There are you know, groups that you can join uh, who actually have regular forums about investment trusts and people exchange information about how they're doing and so on. But be wary of those. I mean, you, it's, it is a specialist art and you have to uh, tread carefully. But you know, it, like everything in life, it, if you put the work in, you can mm. get the rewards. Well, the Investment Trust Handbook, uh, edited by Jonathan Davis for uh, 2022, is uh, now available from Harriman House. Um, the book itself uh, is priced £29.99 in hardback, but it is actually free in ebook. Um, I don't find ebooks always terribly easy to use, but it sounds to me as if you could sort of get it on APRO in ebook form. And then if you decide you're interested, you could then you know, decide to buy the book itself, which is rather a good idea. But it just remains to me to thank Jonathan Davis, editor of the Investment Trust Handbook, uh, and um, wish you well for 2022, Jonathan. Thank Thank you very much indeed for joining us. That's been the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.